Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you again today to the program. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for your cards, letters, your encouraging emails you've written to us, and it has really truly encouraged me to continue to share along the lines of what we are. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt it's probably challenging a lot of your thinking. Uh, my, my personal view, uh, even as I study the book of Revelation, is constantly growing. It is constantly evolving as uh, truth continues to be like an onion to me. It's like an onion. The more you peel it, the more layers you find out it has, and it's almost an inexhaustible uh, subject, especially when you get to the book of Revelation. Uh, we're going to jump into probably uh, maybe one of the most controversial areas of the book of Revelation uh, in, over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about the beast and the image of the beast and his mark and some of those things uh, as we continue to unpack this. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to go ahead and just uh, tell you as well that if you have missed any of the prior uh, chapters leading up to this, uh, you can go back to YouTube and view them at any time by simply going to our website at lenhouse.com and it will take you to our YouTube page and you can view these and when you miss something there's at least a place where you go and say I want to see that again or I want to share that on my Facebook page or something of that nature. We encourage you to do that. But I'm going to start in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation uh, on this particular uh, series of segments that we're going to film. And verse number one it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority." And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue for forty-two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Uh, uh, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword. Uh, must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he, go, and, and, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven, on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. 
And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man bite, buy, or sell, save he that had the mark or the name or of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Now I want to go back and I'm going to unpack uh, uh, some things that I just want to just take my time and unpack. But I want us to first of all see that this beast in the book of Revelation uh, is going to find a great, great comparison. Uh, uh, Not just a great comparison, I will make some comparisons to show you that the beast of Revelation is the exact same beast that you see in the book of Daniel. And I want to show you how it was historically fulfilled, uh, especially among Nero and the Roman Empire. As we unpack it, we will show you that as we shared in the last uh, several segments, that the times, times, and a half times, and the 42 months, or the 1260 days, uh, that the beast had been given the right uh, to, uh, uh, to, as it were, uh, 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 triumph over the saints, is the exact same period of time that you find in the book of Daniel, where it said it was given to the beast to wear out the saints for times, times, and a half a time. And uh, it is the exact same period of time that we shared with you in prior segments that from 66 AD to 70 AD through that period of time was probably the greatest season of persecution because Nero was the first one to really, uh, really turn on the Christian faith and to persecute the Christians. It was under the reign of Nero from those periods of time that uh, both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were uh, martyred and a whole lot of martyrs were were, uh, uh, killed, crucified, all kinds of horrific things were done during that period of time. But I want to make a significant point to show you that it is the same amount of time that we showed you in the 12th chapter of Revelation where the woman was carried into the wilderness where she was nourished for a time, times, half a time, or three and a half years, or, or the 1260 days. It is the uh, back end, if you will, of Daniel's time prophecy that when I had Dr. John Noe on with me, that we showed you the last several years, or the last three and a half years of the scope of Daniel's time prophecy, at the end of, if you will, at the end of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus from Matthew 24, that this generation will not pass until everything he told us came to pass, including great tribulation, including famines, including wars, including they will deliver you up to be killed, including great earthquakes. All of that, Jesus said in Matthew 24, would occur before that generation would pass off of the scene in fulfillment, him using the same exact word in Matthew 23, where he said all of the blood of those that were slain on the earth, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zacharias, would come upon that generation that was alive and well, standing there when Jesus prophesied that to them. That that three and a half years where they were carried into the wilderness uh, 
where they were nourished and fed was a beautiful picture of the fulfillment of what Jesus told uh, the believers in Matthew 24 when he said to them, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, let him which is in Judea flee, uh, in, let, let, let him which is in Judea flee into the mountains. In other words, it's time to get out of Dodge. Uh, you better make your escape while you still can. That believers that, that, that remembered the prophecy of Jesus escaped into the wilderness and to a, a city called Pella and all over they went uh, to escape much of the judgment and that's where the remnant was nourished and kept during this period of oppression that is exactly the same length of time that you see this beast having power in Revelation 13 to, uh, if you will, cause all both small and great, rich and poor to receive his mark and to overcome them. It fits perfectly with the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy that said that the beast will wear out the saints until, that's a time word, until the judgment sets and they take away his dominion to destroy it. Uh, that ought to be good news to somebody that this is not in our future, it is in our past. So we're going to talk a great deal about the beast and his mark as we come through probably the next several chapters. The one thing that I really want to draw attention to also though in this segment is that this beast gets his power from the dragon. Now, if you go back to the, uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, in uh, the uh, ninth verse, it tells you uh, very clearly in the ninth verse of chapter 12, verse 9, that the great drag red dragon, or the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused him before God day and night. And uh, they overcame him by the word of their, uh, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Uh, and they loved not their lives under the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, which is literally the land. It's, if, you, if you study this word earth throughout all the book of Revelation, it has a specific uh, uh, connection to not just earth as in general, but the land as in the land of Israel. And uh, uh, if you if you will, and so uh, he woe to the inhabitants of the land and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time, and that short time was the forty-two months, uh, or the twelve hundred sixty days, or the times times and a half times when he would uh, trample uh, in, in in Revelation eleven, where he would uh, the court which was without the temple would be trampled underfoot of the Gentiles for forty-two months. It was in direct fulfillment of the times of the Gentiles that the Gospel of Luke makes a direct contact and says these are the days of vengeance. Uh, that the days of vengeance was the, uh, the days when the vengeance of God had come upon natural apostate Israel for the 42 months. That was the times of the Gentiles. It was given into the hands of the Gentiles to tread underfoot for 42 months, and that's what they did in Revelation, the 11th chapter. And so we see a, you know, to me these are powerful pictures. I trust you've been following us consecutively because it's not accidental and it's not by chance that these things fit exactly 
and perfectly without any religious calisthenics, not trying to connect it to USA Today or CNN or any other news story. These things are what occurred to this first century church. Remember, the book of Revelation was written to seven churches that were really in Asia. And the first thing we need to always remember is audience relevance and to whom he is speaking. But enough of that, we've established that over the last 70 or 80 programs. So uh, if you didn't get that, you need to go back and, and catch that. But the one thing that I am after is that all of these beasts receive their power from the dragon. So before I really take a long time to unpack how it uh, actually fits with the Romans, uh, I want to say, first of all, that all of this, whether they are the beasts of the book of Daniel or they are the beasts of Rome uh, that we see consecutively unfolding. In the book of Daniel, he unfolds them from, he says in Daniel chapter 2, that uh, there would be four beasts that would come, and one would be like a leopard, one would be like a bear, and he describes them. And if you go back and look at the Amplified Bible in, in, in Daniel chapter 2, it will tell you that the first king was the king of Babylon. That was the king that was in power while Daniel was in captivity. After him would arise another king, which would be Darius the Mede, under the Medes and the Medo-Persian reign, and then after him would arise another one, which was the Greeks, under Alexander the Great, and then after him would arise the ten kings of the Roman Empire. And then he says this, in Daniel chapter 2, after he lays down who those kings are, he says, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom will not be left to other people. The beast does not win, ladies and gentlemen. As a matter of fact, the days of those kings was the days that Jesus prophesied from, from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D. It was in the days of those kings that the kingdom of God was announced, declared, preached, and received. Uh, and the kingdom of God has been alive and well on planet planet earth since then, and it is like leaven. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It will break in pieces and subdue every other kingdom. In other words, we win, ladies and gentlemen. Now let me come back because there's so much. I'm starting to run out of time, and I want to catch this particularly. Before I get into uh, these uh, historic fulfillment of the book of Revelation. I want to show you this powerful principle as well. Uh, reduce these, this beast and this dragon to its lowest common denominator. No matter who these kings are, no matter where, what we deduct or what you believe about them, uh, the scripture clearly tells you that all of them get their power from the dragon and that that dragon was the ancient serpent called the devil. Now years ago, before I understood a lot of the historic fulfillment of the book of Revelation, in 1993, I wrote this little big book called God's Beauty and the Beast, and you'll be able to see that on the screen later. This was the first book I ever wrote in 1993. And uh, when I wrote this book, the Lord began to deal with me concerning uh, the beast and his number and many of the things in the book of Revelation. And what I began to do was, before I understood which kings were in power, uh, I understood that if you reduce all of this to its lowest common denominator, that from God's viewpoint, there has only ever been two men in the earth. The scripture says that the first man was out of the earth, and he was earthy, and the second man was the Lord from heaven. So when you've only got two men to choose from, it's not hard for me to figure out, if I could say it like this, 
uh, it's not hard for me to figure out who the man of sin is because the man of sin that sits in this temple of God is the same man of sin that conveyed sin upon the entire human family because of the sin of one man and his disobedience. Many were made sinners, but by the righteousness of one, many were made righteous. Now, I also believe that that text where it talks about the man of sin sitting in the temple of God uh, has historic fulfillment and more than likely was either Nero or a priest by the name of John Levi. And both of them were fulfilled historically. But I'm after something particular to try to stay on point here dealing with uh, this man of sin, or if you will, uh, this man. And when I begin to look at the number of the beast, and we will see again in just a little while how it is historically fulfilled in Nero and finds a manifestation in Nero. But once again, bring it to its lowest common denominator. Uh, The dragon is empowering this beast. And when I begin to see that this, this, this beast, if you will, Colossians, I believe it is, chapter 3 in the Amplified Bible says, So kill, deaden, and deprive of power the animal impulses that are lurking in your members. So what I want you to see is that the lowest common denominator of the beast uh, could literally be connected with a, uh, number one, a, 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 a dragon-empowered man. Uh, Can I say it like this? A demon-possessed society, or if you will, Adam in all of his fallenness. So what he's dealing with is more than just, more than just a Roman government, but the very core of the problem. The very core of the problem is the depravity of a fallen human nature that can be so influenced by this ancient serpent, this dragon called the devil. And it's interesting to me that if you look simply at the number of the beast, it is 666. And we will show you again later how that the name Nero also exactly fits that. But I want you to see again that Adam was the man who was born on the sixth day. Uh, He was the sixth day creation, both the same day that beast and man was created. So the beast man, or the man of fallenness, is the man that was made out of the dust. He is the sand man. He is the man of dust. If you could say it like this, Adam's a dirt bag. He is the realm of dust which the serpent feeds on. And it's interesting to me that in the book of Genesis, the serpent is, uh, is condemned to feed on the dust and go upon his belly and eat dust. And uh, then God comes on uh, later and says that the man was made from the dust of the ground. So somebody has fed him pretty well because he's grown from a snake in the grass in the book of Genesis to a great red dragon. So this, this dragon feeds on the dust of man's human fallenness. And what we see is that, uh, that this, this man and all of his fallenness, I also think about, uh, I think about, um, Goliath of Gath, who was, uh, the Bible said he had six fingers and six toes. If you don't see a 666 over all of this, he, he is, is uh, I believe his staff was six cubits in length. He, there's sixes all around uh, everything that has to do with Goliath. And what he is, is the spirit that defies the armies of the living God or the people of the living God. He is, if you will, uh, that fallen man and all of his totality. But just like David, 
David defeated Goliath, Jesus, the greater son of David, has absolutely destroyed the giant. He has destroyed the man of sin. And one of the things that happens to you and I in our own personal lives is that when Jesus comes in, he destroys the man of sin with the brightness of his coming and with the spirit of his mouth and with the breath of his nostrils. Jesus comes in, man of sin goes out. There is not two natures living inside of you. There is only one man standing in your house. Uh, I could say it, uh, uh, you know, uh, another way and, and, and tell you that how, uh, again, man on, uh, was created on the sixth day. The beasts were created on the sixth day. Uh, everything about this fallen man has to do with a a man who has fallen from the heavenlies. And when I think about even in uh, the 12th chapter of Revelation, where it says, Rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Uh, my first thought pattern is, who is the inhabitants of heaven? Well, in Ephesians chapter number one, it tells us that you and I uh, uh, have been raised up to sit together with him in the heavenly places. We don't have to leave the earth to do that. I like what he says also in, in Ephesians 1, I believe it is verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The word places there is in italics, which means it is not in the original language. So it could literally be read like this, And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ Jesus. So the heavenly is in Christ. So those that dwell in the heavens are those of us in Christ. So the only place that this dragon has any authority is in the realm of the earth and the realm of the sea. And we'll show you some things about the sea later on, but in the book of James, it talks about the realm of duality. If a man is double-minded, he's like the waves of the sea. And so uh, uh, he's unstable in all of his ways. And so uh, when this uh, beast rises up out of the sea, first of all, before we see it as Nero, and we will see the historic fulfillment, I want you to see that it's also the man that rises up out of the realm of duality. It was also a term, when you see the term sea throughout uh, much of the scriptures, and even in the book of Revelation, it is also translated as the abyss or out of the pit. And so what has come up out of the pit of human fallenness has been uh, uh, that demon-possessed, if you will, Adamic nature that is always in relationship with the power of the dragon. Uh, one of the good things that I like is in chapter 15 of the book of Revelation, it says uh, that I saw a people that stood upon the sea of glass having the harps of God, and they had the victory over the beast and over the number of his name. So they came up out of the sea and they sang the song of Moses. The song of Moses was the song that they sang as soon as they came up out of the Red Sea. And when they came up out of the Red Sea, the Red Sea was a picture of water baptism. So the moment that you go down into the waters of baptism and you identify with the death of Jesus, what you have done is said, Adam no longer lives in me. I am burying that old man. And the same sea uh, that saved the children of Israel destroyed their perpetual enemy, which is why you see this beast cast 
cast into, later on the book of Revelation, he's cast into a bottomless abyss or a bottomless sea, if you will. And we will probably look at some of that later. Also, you will see in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation, when he says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and there was no more sea. That does not suggest to me that there was no more ocean left. It suggests to me there's no more dimension where this beast can rise up from, that he's been so totally dealt with and annihilated in the life of the believer that there's no more duality, no more double-mindedness. See, the book of Revelation to me is not about the coming mark of the beast. It's about how you got rid of the one you were born with. And uh, your name is either, you either got your father's name in your forehead or you have the number of the beast in your forehead. But I want you to see that, uh, uh, first of all, that what this speaks of is uh, what we are dealing with is which nature do I allow to have the preeminence in my life? In other words, am I going to yield my members? Am I going to give my thought process, my mind, or what I do with my right hand to a fallen humanity that I operate out of a carnal mind rather than out of a natural mind? See, if you read in Revelation 14, they have the name of their father written in their foreheads. So the opposite of that uh, is found in Revelation 13, where they have the mark of the beast. So you've either got the mark of the beast or you've got your father's name in your forehead. You're either in Revelation 7, where you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, and you've got a new name, or you're still living in an old creature with an old name. Uh, What I wanted you to see was that the victory over the beast was absolutely fulfilled in Revelation 15, 2, when they stood upon the sea of glass, which again speaks of water baptism because they came up out of the Red Sea, and the sea of glass was also a piece of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses that spoke of water baptism. It was a sea made out of the looking glasses of the women. And I believe there's a people in the earth who've already gotten the victory over this beast and over his name and over the number of his name. I could uh, even connect that to Matthew 24 and talk about in that night, in the night season, there were two men in one bed. One was taken, the other left. It wasn't uh, two women, it was two men. I see that as Adam and Christ on one dimension. Let me just tell you, there's so many layers to the truth that I can't get it all in one segment. But if there was two men in one bed, one of them's got to go. And the one that's got to go is not the good guy, it's the bad guy because he said, as it was in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be in the case of the coming of the Son of Man. One's going to be taken, the other left. In Noah's day, it was the wicked that was taken. It's not the righteous, it was the wicked that was taken. The apostles get a hold of that in the New Testament. It says that water baptism is pictured in Noah so that the moment we go down into the waters of the flood, if you will, we are baptized. The old world washes away and we come out into a new world. Interestingly enough, the ark lands on the mountain called Ararat, which means the curse is reversed. So on an individual level, uh, we've been delivered from the mark of the beast. Now what I see is we unpack this, Nero becomes the epitome, the totality of the, 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 the depravity of fallen humanity as he operates in the, the depth of Satan and he operates in the complete fallenness of human nature. He is absolutely absolutely depicted as a beast as he is released on this uh, planet. Now what I want you to see is that though for the people of God, we've been delivered, we've been set free, we no longer uh, succumb 
uh, to all of that uh, authority of the dragon. He has no more power over us. I trust you've been blessed by this. We're about to run out of time. Wow, it just went by so quickly. I trust that you got the first piece of this as a setting as we continue to unpack this as we come in days to come. Take a moment to write uh, to us and to call the number on the screen. Hit us on Facebook. We welcome your notes and your uh, emails uh, on our website. is a link to an email to get to us. But call the number on the screen and sow a generous seed into the ministry to help us take the gospel around the world. God bless you for joining us. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ. 